all life is generational. If you like it or not, some of it is a blessing and some of it is a curse. None of us like it when our spouse or partner give us this remark, you are just like your mother or your father. <laughs> that was not meant as a compliment. Well, fact of the matter is, we have in many ways received most of what we are as human beings have been passed on to us through DNA, genetics, behavioral, uh, upbringing, culture, tradition, the, the way we were brought up. Now, here's some interesting facts for you. It's, it's not just like our physical features, like eye color, and blood type, hairline, the type of hair you have, laugh line, but we also get something of the mood, call it the attitude, from our parents. Have you seen that? That a certain family also all have the same attitude and way of doing life. Then also practical biological things like fertility, our intelligence, and infidelity, unfortunately, is passed on from generation to the other. And then, of course, we get our intelligence, our believe it or not, poor driving skills can uh, come also from your parents. And then, of course, the fear of a dentist, your pain tolerance, facial expressions, your athleticism, your response to life and crisis, your, uh, how fast we age, your sweet tooth or preference for bitter food on the other hand, your level of risk aversion, optimism, your empathy, sweatiness, work ethic, musical ability, and musical taste. All of that can be influenced and are uh, predominantly, primarily influenced by our upbringing, the genetics, our parents, and the legacy, the blessing or curses that our parents left us. Now, many of you may feel, well, that's great, and I, I am hugely blessed by fantastic parents, but some of us feel, oh my goodness, uh, am I going to pay for the rest of my life for the sins of my father or mother, or this, the circumstances that I fell, feel trapped in as, as I'm raised as a human being? We also understand in terms of spiritual blessing and inheritance that a big part of our social economic stand is also the result of our upbringing. People with good business sense and entrepreneurial skills carry that over to their children and they walk into that cognitive skills of learning how to work with money. Others not, unfortunately. But we find that people are usually trapped in the economic uh, call it environment, culture, family that they were brought up into and they follow through with the economic standard that they were raised up to, into. Now we all know there's exceptions and praise God for that. But I just want to make the point that we get it, that we are in a big way influenced by our upbringing. But here's the good news. For those who are in Christ Jesus, we have... All this biology that we received in human terms from our parents, we have found and discovered that in Christ Jesus, we are brought into a whole new uh, spiritual genetics, if you will. He says that in Christ Jesus, if we receive his righteousness through him, we now become part of his family. We adopt the children. We receive an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? All this language is language of family. 
preferences and privileges that you would have had by being raised in a particular wealthy family. God is offering us a whole new genetic line, a spiritual genetic line, where he says, I want you to come into my beingness. I want you to be reborn in new creation. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all have come new, and you can now live a new life in Christ Jesus. We find that, like with in family and biology, that we receive the character of the Holy Spirit in the way of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, and joy, and faith, and faithfulness, all in goodness, uh, self-control. It's very important characteristics that we now receive as being part of God's family. This rich spiritual inheritance, Ephesians 1, 3 says, You have been blessed with every spiritual inheritance and that is registered in heaven. That is the newness that we have in Christ Jesus. We are not just products of our upbringing and our social stand. We can, in Christ Jesus, break out of the mold of society and culture and come into a Christ culture, a whole new way of living life. We all know the scriptures in the Old Testament that speaks about the curses of the fathers or parents being carried across to even the fourth generation. It says here in Exodus 20 verse 5, it says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, paradoxically, we know that there's some truth to this. The word iniquity here is the word transgression. Transgressions is the word for heart distortion. It means it's something that is beyond rational understanding. We, we do things that we don't understand. And how much of the transgressions that people do against one another, they eventually, when they are confronted, say, man, I don't know what came over me. It was not my intention. But yeah, I did some very bad things. You will find that there's been a, a big study of this in social history or in the psychology of history that the humiliation of one nation gets carried across to the next nation. So, for instance, I don't know if you know, but the British weren't always an empire. They were subdued and subjected to huge humiliation under the Romans for hundreds of years but eventually freeing themselves, becoming an empire and a world denominator, they eventually began to do the very same thing that was done to them for generations. We as whites of Afrikaners can see that as well, that we, for, for white-speaking, Afrikaans-speaking Afrikaners for many years, suffered under the British rule of dominance over language, culture, superiority, and controlling the financial markets. But when we came into power, we did exactly the very same thing that was done against us. And we also became an empire that controlled through power and through yeah, sometimes inhumane means. Today, again, we see that recurrence of the third and fourth generation iniquity that has to be dealt with. Somewhere in Christ Jesus, we have to break the mold. We have to stop and say, this is where it ends. We want to live a different 
legacy for our children and our children's children. And this is where the Bible comes in with a different stance. And we see this in Deuteronomy 24, 16. Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. So the question here is personal responsibility. We cannot continue to carry and weigh ourselves heavily under the sins of our forefathers. We have to bring about a new legacy, a new way of living life. We also find this in Ezekiel 18.20. It says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. So there we break that cycle, and the way the cycle is broken is by coming under a new lineage, coming under a new inheritance. We are all, as I said in the beginning, products of our culture and our upbringing. But in Christ Jesus, if you choose to give your life to Him and become born again and a new believer and follow the Word of God in obedience, then you become a new creature. You are discipled into a whole new way of life, of thinking, of values, of perspective, of looking at the life all differently. Just look at all the sermons that we've talked about, the kingdom of God perspective, looking at life from a kingdom worldview, basically looking at life from heaven's view. This new way of life, new perspective, has a determining effect on our values. What we value comes in line with what God values. God values the poor. God values justice. God values that we take care of one another and love one another in Christ Jesus. Jesus even loved his enemies when Judas chose to betray him. Jesus was still very kind to him. Peter, eventually, who would betray him, Jesus also loved. We even find that Thomas the doubter, Jesus did not ridicule, or did not push him down or shame him in front of his friends. He lifted him. He helped him to stand up. Jesus is inviting all of us into a whole new culture, a Christ culture. We're often bound by our cultures that we see ourselves as us and them, we see ourselves as we peculiar versus other people's peculiarities and we have different accents and color of skin and so forth. But we all share eventually the same humanity. It is God that has created us different and we should remain unique and diverse and different. But we should balance that uniqueness with a mutual love and neighborliness of loving one another. That's the new culture that Christ is raising us up into, is to live as new creatures with a new way of thinking about life. We don't hold dear to our own possessions and we see ourselves as not people from this world. We are in this world, but not from this world. So we live here as ambassadors, God representatives of His kingdom. And we are made of the body of Christ, made up of every tribe and tongue and nation on the earth, of people who did exactly this, who chose to live the righteousness of Christ Jesus, who chose to stand against sin and hatred and anger and bitterness and resentment, and chose the way of love, chose the way of Christ. Your heart determines your life. If your heart is evil, then your words and thoughts and deeds will become evil. 
when your heart has been filled with Christ Jesus and with the true love of Christ, you become a newborn, new person, new being, new creature. A whole metamorphosis has taken place and we look at life differently. These people who choose to live for Christ and become followers of Jesus, not just in a moment, but in a lifestyle, eventually produce different fruit. Christians who really serve God become leaders against the tide of culture, of the world going in one direction. We will always choose to follow the Christ direction. This is inherent because Christ works this newness, this new character and grace in us to be different kind of people. And this is what the Bible then promises. It says, Proverbs 13, 22, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Deuteronomy 16 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with a large flourishing cities. You did not build houses filled with all kinds of good things. You did not provide Houses filled with all good things, wells that you didn't dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. If we read that portion further, it's speaking of a, a metaphor for us, for also for us as Christians, that we partake of an inheritance in Christ Jesus that we didn't work for. We receive His righteousness, His riches, His faith, His supernatural ability to heal the sick and drive out demons. We receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to live righteously in goodness and love and kindness in the midst of oppression and even persecution. The church and the Christian church history is filled with saints who stepped out and stepped and walked in this way of faith for generations. It's this generational blessing that God is inviting you into to become a life of legacy, a life that builds and break down, not break down, a life that blesses and not curse. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation commends your work to another. They tell of your mighty acts. And here you have a, re, a, a, a turnaround, if you will. So a father and a mother who choose to serve the Lord, who now really serve God of all their heart, soul, and mind, produces children. And a new habitat is now created. Atmosphere and culture and upbringing and traditions and culture and language and just a whole new life that these children are brought up into. They get this inheritance, this blessing. And when they have children, they walk into this. It's interesting to note that a father who serves God will have two-thirds of his children. So if you had three children, two of the three will serve the way the father did. If, however, the father do not serve God wholeheartedly and the mother would go to church and be faithful, there's a 1 in 50 chance. So that means if they had 50 children, one would eventually serve God the way the mother did. So the point is that the father has incredible grace and power and an important role to play to serve God in such a way that it produces a standard, a platform, a base for the children to serve God. That's how we leave a godly legacy. You will find in history that great missionaries 
great if you even think of Billy Graham as the, as the most recent example. See how his children serves God and even now his grandchildren and how all of them have become ambassadors for the faith, being involved either in his ministry or others, doing good, doing life in a different way. That is what God is calling us into. Now, if you look at all these scriptures, there's a, a, a predominant theme that you will find throughout scripture, which we call the three-chair principle. The three-chair principle basically we find in David, Solomon, and Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Now, David served the Lord of whole heart. I mean, he was totally sold out for God. A man that, was, that had a heart after God, and he was called God's friend. Solomon, however, although he did serve God and was honored as one of the most wisest and then wealthiest kings that ever lived in, in Israel, had a half a heart. He compromised in the latter part of his life. And his compromise, half heart, eventually then led that his son didn't serve God at all. And his son's reign led to the division of the 12 tribes of Israel being divided into 10 and 2. And we find that cycle over and over in life. And that's what I want you to just be aware of. That your sold out heart for God is important to get your children to have a sold out heart for God. That's how you keep the, the lineage, the inheritance line pure. And that you will see the grace and the gift that comes from the one generation to the next. We find this in Joshua. Joshua say, says in Joshua, Joshua 14, 15, Me and my house will serve the Lord. Then later on, in verse uh, chapter 24, 31, he says, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So note here that they have seen Joshua's life. But they've also experienced the deeds of God. And that's important that we get that because it's not just the knowledge of God. It's seeing the acts of God and seeing the supernatural, seeing how God heals and works and graces us with the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that keeps a generation together. But because of the second generation's compromise, we read later on, in Judges, the next book, Judges 2, verse 10. And after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he has done for Israel. So they didn't know God and they not, didn't see any of his deeds. The book of Judges continues with this cycle for seven cycles of rulers raised up to serve God with a whole heart. The next generation grow mild, compromise third generation grow cold and then because of that coldness of heart and people alienated from from God and serving and living right obviously bad things happen because if we do injustice if we impartial if we are greedy if we live contrary to the word of God this is consequences you can't do what is wrong and expect that everything will just go well Toyota it's just a fallacy. It's a myth. We need to understand that there's a responsibility to live right and then only to expect the good fruit. So we see that that cycle comes and goes over and over um, and periods of silence until God raises up another man after his heart that will follow after him. In this time in South Africa, we need these kind of Gideon, 
David, Joshua, Moses, Abraham, Daniel, leaders who stand in their generation with a different spirit, with a different heart, to serve God with all their heart and mind and soul and do what is right. If we do that collectively, we create a culture of love and benevolence and goodness. We, we create a culture of fairness and justice, a culture of right wiseness that heals, that brings righteousness and good to communities, that brings discipline and order, that brings partnerships and collaborations. And Because you can't have partnerships and working together where there's not a Christ ethic. Even the partnership of marriage, covenant, the partnership in family with parents and children, the partnership in business deteriorates the moment sin enters in. The moment lies and deceit and selfishness and greed and self-centeredness comes in. It destroys any form of covenant, partnership, working together, or any form of relationship even. So this is why in societies we need the church to rise up, to be the bridge builders, mediators that bring people to repentance, not just peace. You can't have peace until you've dealt with sin, where there's repentance and heart change and we correct our evil ways. That's when God commands a blessing. That's what we so desperately need in our country, is that we will change our hearts. And we find this all over right now of people acting out, living out the Christ legacy, taking hands and finding, and this is amazing, that we are finding right now in the midst of this crisis and chaos that we're seeing in South Africa, that people from all races and languages are finding one another in Christ Jesus. The goodness of giving and sharing and taking responsibility and, and coming together as people that wants to love and build and establish new things together. They find one another. Maybe they've just been separated and didn't know of one another. But the crisis brought us closer. And suddenly we saw a brother in arms that we didn't even know about. May God help us to foster and grow those relationships, to flourish, so that as communities we find one another and work together towards a mutual benefit for all. It can, however, only happen when Christ reigns eminent in every life. And I mean that sincerely. We are the most beautiful people when we are the most Christ-like, humble, when we're not full of ourselves and don't want our uh, word to be the final word and we don't hold fast to our opinions or ideologies, but we serve in humility and kindness and seek a common good for one another and we're willing to share and, and give you a chance to win too. That Christ-centeredness and Christ attitude is what brings wholeness. Wherever Christ is alienated or separated or taken out of the equation, literally the cellular structure just dissolves and breaks apart. In the same way, the disease happens in our bodies. We are most loved and most strong and healthy when we are held together in one body and in one community. May this word of being conscious of generational blessing also give you courage in a time of this. You know, when there's time of crisis, it's interesting that it's the relationships 
that stand the test of structures. When structures and banks and institutions and governments and all kinds of structures fall apart, it's the relationships that keep things going. Even in the marketplace, when we don't know who to sell to or what to do, it's the goodwill that exists with good relationship, with holding your word, being a man of your word, building kind of trust and integrity. And that goodwill becomes a social capital, a relational capital through which we can build and speed up trust to get things done and to see results on ground level wherever we are and with whatever crisis we face. It's this relational network that binds us together, that holds us together as a community. And that we can see where everyone flourishes. Fear and anxiety and superstition and suspicion and all these kind of filters that we grew up with because we had pain. We had there's many atrocities that happened between all kinds of humans and people in our country and in the world, by the way. But it's when we find one another again in Christ Jesus, forgiving and finding the path of righteousness. It's there that Christ again leads us into a new generational blessing. We need right now to think about generational blessings. How is what we're doing right now going to affect the next generation? How are we, what we're doing right now going to affect two generations from now? These are important and weighty questions that we need to answer. And simple solution is to start in your local communities where God has given you authority and influence. Use the existing formal structures that is available in your community and serve. Become involved. Become involved. Salt standing on a table means nothing to the stew. You need to be put into the pot and into the stew so that you can affect the taste. More than ever, Christ Christians who are Christ-filled have to become part of the community police forums, the clinics, the health and safety forums, the food provision, social forums, educational forums and institutions that exist in a town. Become involved in these local institutions, take hand and let's solve problems. There's huge difficult issues that we're going to have to deal with. And it begins with, yeah, in Afrikaans, raak betrokken. <laughs> we need to get ourselves involved. We need to make contact. We need to get out there. For many years, I've been walking a path of alone, being in meetings, crossing boundaries, talking to communities, going and meeting people in squatter camps. But I now have to say, I can't do that alone. It's now time for me to be joined by a whole army of believers from all over. They take their stand to offer their advice, help, support, and let's work health and healing and up, uh, up, help, what's it, up development that we can do together, building together, and to create a different world for the children. I saw a, a little baby just in this week, and we've been dealing with death lately, but in the realm of death and dying, there's new birth. And when I saw this little baby, and maybe just a couple of months old, I realized that this baby... If she lives 100 years, 90 years, 
We'll see the year 1, 20, 100, 2110. I don't even know how to pronounce that. But then for a moment, just thinking about that, that this child now doesn't even know what's going on. She will be told in 15, 20 years from now what happened at one point in South Africa, and it will be history to her. She would not remember what has happened in the country. That's why the decisions we make right now is so vitally important. What we do, how we love, how we take care, how we build, how we provide solutions is now the time. I thank God that right now as I'm speaking, there are great leaders, men of God, women of God, who have heard His voice for years and who have obeyed it, have already established solutions, pathways of care, new financial transactional uh, trade routes that provides food and a way of income for people. God has established rulers and people who are willing to stand up for righteous government. We see people taking hands over cross-cultural boundaries to say, let's work together. None of us are just want to run anymore. We can only run so much, but we need to fix this country together. And we can do that with a new culture, a new Christ culture. Thank you for listening. And may God bless this word in your heart and work in you the faith to do what he requires you to do. God bless you.